I'm Melina Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. The combination of art and technology can lead to very interesting innovations. Kitty Young, manager of the Microsoft Garage at Silicon Valley, talked about how she infuses technology in fashion. Kitty explained how to embed technology in clothing and the challenges faced by the fashion industry. We also talked about tools and open source projects in hardware. Kitty's early career was in conducting research in physics while also pursuing painting, music, and creating graphic design novels. She received her PhD in applied physics from Harvard University. After grad school, she worked as a research scientist, hardware engineer, and user experience designer at Intel. Kitty Young, manager of the Microsoft Garage at Silicon Valley, is joining us today. Kitty, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to have you. And we're sitting here in the Sunnyvale office at Microsoft. And today we're going to be talking about technology and fashion. But before we talk about that, I want to begin with your fascination with physics and your interest in this, because it's a recurring theme theme in your work in technology and fashion. I saw a lot of the fashion designs and artwork is inspired in, from concepts of astronomy. And you also got a PhD in physics from Harvard, and <laughs> you're really interested in this space. So I want to start with the origin of this since you were a kid. Can you talk about this time? Yeah, sure. When I was very young, I started my interest in science. So ever since I had memory, I was very interested in astronomy. I like stargazing. And when I started learning physics as a subject in school, I really fell in love with it because it's a subject that describes nature, how the universe works, how everything behaves, and how we can construct things on Earth. So I was very, very fascinated by it, and I decided to pursue physics as my major. At the same time, I really love art. Also, that's something that I started since I had memory. I've been painting and doing music, and it's just my hobby. I love doing that, even though my main major is in science. I did those things on the side. I felt that was a way for me to sustain doing all of these things because I felt that I needed to focus on the hardcore academic training and the other interests I can pursue as a side hobby. That's how I've been doing all of these things for a very long time. And at some point, I found the opportunity to combine those different areas. For example, you mentioned fashion design. That's actually one of the ways for me to express my love of different disciplines. So I now can design clothing that has uh, microcontrollers embedded, technologies embedded in them, sensors, modules that would respond to the environment and the data it detects. That's a way for me to combine my knowledge in electrical engineering and physics with art. But I didn't start doing this until after I graduated from grad school. And that's also because I think 10 years ago, I wouldn't be able to do this. Why? Because the technology now is available for people to 
elaborate their creativity on hardware. I think 10 years ago there wasn't Arduino, and because of the existence of Arduino and open source platforms, those made it possible for people to build things that no one thought before and combining different interests together. Before fashion design, I was actually mostly doing drawing and paintings, and that's really my my core for art, is doing a lot of imaginative graphic novel character design, and I would design clothes for them. For characters that you would think about. Yes. When I was a teenager, I started thinking about a graphic novel story. So I've been doing that still, and I think that's something that I will be doing for life. That story that I thought about and gradually completing over the years. I designed the clothes for the characters. At some point, I really wanted to make them into reality. So I was finishing my PhD thesis. And because I finished almost all the experiments I had to do, so I was pretty much writing the thesis, and I wanted to learn something new. So I just bought a sewing machine and a book about uh, sewing. Then I started making things. (laughs) Even the first thing that I made with the sewing machine was my own design. And during the day, I was writing my thesis. And in the evening, a couple of hours, I was sewing. Nice. (laughs) So it was a really nice transition, very nice balance. Yeah, and I think what it sounds like is a lot of what helped you do this is that you had this personal motivation of seeing your characters become to life, which is why some people say, like, if you're really, really passionate or driven by something, you're going to excel at it, right? Yeah, exactly. And at the beginning, it was just traditional, just fashion design, just clothes. But because I was tinkering with robotics and open source hardware, projects and I thought there's no reason I can't combine the two. I just designed something that I could put microcontrollers in there and then my clothes started to move and uh, change colors and did all those interesting things. And I also combined my painting with fashion design. So you mentioned a lot of them are astronomy theme. So they're actually my paintings. I would draw and paint on the computer and then get them printed onto fabrics. So that wouldn't be possible also before digital painting is a thing. So I started painting on a computer more than 10 years ago, I think. Uh, That's when the Wacom tablets became available. The early days, you would say, of digital. Yeah, so I started adapted digital painting very early on. So that made it possible to print, to create digital images that you can upload online and then get them printed onto different things, including fabrics, so that I can really merge all of these interests. Astronomy, science, painted onto fabrics, then design into clothes, and then embed electronics inside to make the designs even more interesting. Yes, and I want to talk more about these designs to give people an idea, because you mentioned or you can make your clothes move. And you mentioned two components, which is the microcontroller and Arduino. Yeah. For the people that aren't familiar with this, can you explain what they are and what you can do with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, microcontrollers are basically a chip on electronic board, a PCB board, that can control all kinds of other electronics. So it's basically like a simple brain. It's not as powerful as a computer, but it can do enough to control different modules like LEDs, servos, 
LCDs or Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. So it's a central control of your system. And Adreno is a platform invented by the company Adreno. They made hardware that are open source and people can find the schematics, the design of the circuit board and they can create their own based on the designs. They also made the IDE, the interface, for you to program those hardware. So it's pretty uh, well known and widespread now uh, in especially the education space. Uh, young kids started learning the uh, electronics and programming much hands-on and more easily through these platforms, both hardware and software. So the Adreno IDE, if you're familiar with Visual Studio code at Microsoft, that's kind of a simple version specifically designed for these hardware boards. I see. And let's talk about an example of your designs. In another interview, I saw you you mentioned you really like playing with lights. Mm -hmm. And one example of this is the constellation dress. Can you describe what this dress looks like? And then we'll talk into the details about the tech components. Yeah, sure. You mean the one that detects gesture, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was a design I made in 2007 when I was still working at Intel. Okay. Yeah. So they made this chip called Curie, Intel Curie module, which had a lot of components on it in a very small chip. So it has accelerometer, gyroscope, pattern matching engine, and Bluetooth all integrated onto a small chip button size that is super powerful. And I wanted to create something that demoed the technology. So this thing can do pattern matching. So if you train it to memorize certain patterns, it can recognize it. So I decided to demonstrate it through a display of constellations on a dress. You can train it to memorize your gesture. The accelerometer can detect where your hand is, how your arm is moving, and capture that movement. And it can memorize. I define four gestures corresponding to four constellations. And every time you wave your hand in the correct way, the corresponding constellations will show up. And the dress is constructed on top of my graphic novel. Uh, a page from my graphic novel is a scientist and her robot looking into the telescope. So in the sky area, I put the constellations on. And those constellations are made out of LEDs. So I basically arranged them into four uh, configurations. One is the Big Dipper and uh, Cassiopeia, Cigna, and Orion. And I defined four gestures to map uh, to those constellations. So Big Dipper is Major Ursa, so I use M. Orion is O, Cassiopeia is C, and uh, Cigna, because it's swan in English, so I use S. So then when you wave your hand in those four letters, they will show up the four constellations. That's pretty cool. I, I'll include a video for it so people can see. I know it's hard you know, to explain everything in audio yeah. because it's better once you have the visual, but I'll include a visual. And we're talking about embedding technology more in fashion. In general, what does tech fashion mean to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think 
at the very beginning is all about expressing creativity because of the technology level has got to the point that allows us to do creative work using technology. Once you learn how to use those tools, you can do all kinds of things. Your imagination is unlimited. You can embed all kinds of technologies into clothes. And the recent one that I made is using our Microsoft Azure cloud platform. So we have a board called MX Chip IoT Dev Kit. You can program it to be a translator, or you can program it to be a chatbot or a keyword spotter. So I use my colleague Chris Lovett's model to train the chip to memorize keywords. And my end goal is to let it memorize some Latin words. This is a design for my college. My college has a formal gown and they actually interviewed me a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And at the end of their interview, they were casually saying, maybe Kitty one day would design for the college, maybe a light up gown or something. So I thought that's, that's interesting, that's a good idea. And I wanted to make not just a light up gown, but also something intelligent. That's why I use this new board that can be programmed to do a lot of things and, and connect to Azure and use our machine learning functions. So that is to demonstrate the technology as well as doing something cutting edge like uh, language detection and machine learning. So I want to make this a crowdsource project that my college can source some Latin reading and then provide that to train the chip. That's an example of how to use technology in creating artistic work. But further to that, I'm also looking into how to advance the fashion industry through technology. So I wouldn't have known the details about how a garment is made until I started making one myself. Mm-hmm. So. At the beginning, because I was only making this for fun as a hobby, I was I was just doing whatever I wanted. And people invited me to fashion shows and people like my designs. And definitely there are things that not a lot of people have seen. So it generated a lot of interest. And I also got people asking where they can buy my things. So I was just making them as open source projects. So I actually write down how those things are instructed and upload them onto like Instructables or Hackster.io or Hackaday, those open source platforms to teach people how to create something like those themselves. But then not everyone's a maker. I still got a lot of people asking how when these things can be made to um, when they can buy them. So I was uh, curious, just I didn't know and I wanted to find out how much does it take for me to convert an idea, a prototype into something producible. So I started looking into the manufacturing supply chain and found out that there's a lot of ways that we are making clothes do not make sense (laughs) because we are already at the stage that we can create very streamlined and efficient manufacturing for things like computer chips. We can create things that are only nanometer size, micrometer size, that's very difficult to do. We can do them so efficiently, so fast. But then clothing, if you want to create something from a design to an actual product, takes so long. 
and it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't take so long. Usually, you need to create some samples. As a designer, you provide your ideas through sketches and handmade samples. You send it to a manufacturer, and they need to convert these details into a tag pack, which describes how to cut and sew the clothes. And then they will send back to you a sample. Usually, the first time the fit will be wrong, so you need to correct the fit, send it back, and they create the second sample. Fit is correct,、uh, fabric is wrong because the first time they don't usually use the actual fabric; they use the, the cheaper type of fabric. So they had to correct that. And the third time,、uh, those things are corrected, but then still there are things missing, like、um, details and trims. They're not just not how you design it to be. So. There are manufacturers who are trying to improve this, and I've seen better manufacturers that are able to do things faster, more accurately than others. But still, there's a lot of back and forth, and changes, and a lot of time and human labor in this process. And eventually, you get to the point that things can be repeatedly produced. It costs a lot of money, but also the industry is currently dominated by. Mass production. So, as an independent designer, I I know a lot of、uh, very talented people. It's very hard for them to get their ideas produced because if you want to go to a larger scale, you have to go to places like、uh, developing countries because they have the skills and they have the labor to produce multiple repeated units. But they Wouldn't support smaller orders, so they would take a huge amount of、uh, fast fashion brand orders, for example, and then they produce a lot of them. But they wouldn't really help independent designers who want to do more creative work because their work is different and not very standard, much harder to make and develop and produce. So it's not very set up. The system is not set up for supporting creative designers. And do a small number run, but usually those new independent designers or people who make、uh, very different things, they would like to test the market with something smaller. Yeah, in terms of we're talking about mass producing and how it's dominating, it's difficult for more independent artists to get their、uh, clothes made. And also, you've talked about before in about the issues that mass producing. Fashion can bring. Can you talk about you know some of those issues like environmental or in general about the whole state of fashion right now? I was gonna get there. I think I will actually mention those pain points first. Can you describe the current state of the fashion industry?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mentioned that I was very curious to find out about producing the creative ideas. And turned out that we've been stuck in a very negative cycle for decades. So creative designers they can make very interesting things by hand in their studios.、Uh, they can do really whatever they can think of, and they can put electronics, they can put all type of technologies into clothing, and they can create things in weird shapes and all those. Very interesting effects, but they rely on manufacturers to scale them to convert their handmade things into manufacturable form. But manufacturers tend not to take the risk to produce them until they can see the market. So, if supporting 
independent designers to do creative work means changing their current way of manufacturing. That's a big risk for them. And then the mass population, they wouldn't even know what they want. They would not generate the market until they see something existing already in the market to inspire them. So that's been going on like this for a long time. And that's, I think, the main reason why we haven't seen a lot of technology embedded garments yet. And at, also at the same time, because the system is not really set up to support creative designs, it has been dominated by mass production. The industry, the fashion industry actually generates 10% of carbon footprint due to the overproduced materials and garments and also the way that crops are grown and the whole process of making the fabric and textiles and printing them. There's a whole chain of pollution being generated. And the key point is that it's problematic because it's overproduced and 30% of clothes ever made are unsold. So if you walk around in the shops, you see all those clothes lying around being hanging there. And then after a round of discount, they still do not get sold. They actually will get burned. So they don't even donate them, it's some portion. So they do, some brands donate and some brands they don't want to say. And sometimes brands will think that it damages their brand if they donate. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like it's a really big problem currently, this whole... Yeah, mostly when you generate a physical good, the current way of doing that is to guess, predict how much will be bought. But it's not going to be accurate. So on the safer side, they will be overproduced and then later gotten rid of. But that really damages the environment. Earlier, we talked about technology in fashion in the sense of literally embedding technology in fashion. Mm -hmm. What I want to ask you is, are there other ways in which we can add more technology, for example, I don't know, in production? Yeah, like you're saying, there's a lot of iteration. I give a manufacturer my concept, then I get it back and it's a wrong fit. I know, for example, Stitch Fix is doing things like learning from their customers, their size, and they've created like new t-shirt models, like with the buttons in a certain way based on that. So I'm wondering if, if there are other ways in which we can put technology in, in manufacturing. Yeah, definitely. I think the number one solution is made to order. So we really need to only make things when someone already wants it. So it's really a different way of running things. Right now we make extra and trying to sell them all, but it doesn't really work out. Yeah, I mentioned 30% is unsold and billions of dollars of unsold items are wasted every year. And we really shouldn't be making anything until someone already purchases, already place an order. And I think right now we can't quite do that broadly because the technologies haven't come in to upgrade the way we produce clothes. But it Really, we have the technologies now available. We just have to connect them together to solve this problem. For example, we can have a platform that allows designers to upload their ideas, upload their tech pack, actually, that would in detail describe how things are made. And every manufacturer needs to 
have a consistent way of producing things. They need to have a standard process so that when they see this universal tech pack, they know how to create them. And we need an open source platform that allows people to do design online. When I did my clothing design, my fabrics were made by this company called Spoonflower. So they allow people to upload any digital image and they can print it onto fabrics that you choose. We can really think about this expanded to clothing, to all kinds of styles. If we can upload digital files that would in the backend trigger mostly automated production really, because if you have digital digitized patterns, for example, that means it's nothing but coordinates, and then you can build machines to move around and cut and sew according to the digitized files. And that to me is like a GitHub for fashion. You have a platform that everyone can upload and do modification online, and you can even distribute and sell your designs that way. And you can also use things like 3D visualization to convert those 2D patterns into 3D. And there are companies making avatars of people and then they can try the clothes on virtually. We need to have that to be part of this platform. And you can see how you look and how you would fit when uh, you're choosing a certain style. It really comes down to the fact that the designs need to be digitized. So this is really the digital transformation for this industry. Right now, a lot of things are still made by hand. The patterns are printed on paper or drawn on paper and then getting transferred onto fabrics and cutting and sewing is all by hand. It's been like this for 100 years. <laughs> so once you have the digitized platform, you can also use computer vision. For example, if you see someone wearing something that you really like, you can take a picture of them and find out where, how you can make, just make an order. And then at the back end, it will be made just for you. But it's using something that we already have. We have the ads inferencing models that can tell you where to buy something. But instead of buying something that's already been made, why can't we not make it and give people a visual knowing what they will get and buying that then trigger production. Yeah. So that would really help with the whole environmental protection and reduce waste and time. I think all physical goods, when they are being produced, they should be made to order. Yeah, and I think we are seeing this in some areas, like I think books, right? They um, mm -hmm. Well, they do produce a certain amount, but it's data-driven. I know, I, I think Amazon, when they print, you know, sometimes they print more batches as people request. In the fashion industry, the closest I've seen is like print on demand, but the t-shirts were already manufactured. They're only just stamping the design, but it's on demand. Yeah. And t-shirts, yeah, there, I've seen a few companies that are starting small, they're starting this, but all they can offer is t-shirts and jeans. And that's not really helping with creativity yeah so it's a very limited campus yeah we need a standardized way of producing things and then allowing all the designers to be able to submit their ideas get them produced that way and if we had this platform then whenever someone purchases it we can trace all the way back to who designed it and whoever uploaded the tech pack can be can be paid. The original designer and the manufacturer will be rewarded. Then that can also help with the knockoff problems in fashion. 
Exactly. Yeah. Before we finish, I want to switch gears for a little bit and talk about the Microsoft Garage, which is where you're currently working. Can you explain what the Microsoft Garage is? Yeah, the Garage is a platform that allows creativity, experimentation, innovation, allowing anyone, employees, our customers, our partners to innovate. So we run all kinds of programs to help people generate ideas, but also do them, do them hands-on and create them, and we help them ship into the world. So, for example, we have the hackathon, which is our world's largest private hackathon that the garage is running for Microsoft. And there are so many brilliant ideas being hacked on, and people actually produce prototypes. They would write a piece of software or make some hardware, uh, new ideas being actually made, not just an idea, but they are made into prototypes. And we help them go into the market. We, if you go to the Microsoft Garage website, you can see like a hundred projects that's already out there in the world. Is that a public website? It's a public website, okay. yeah. And we run workshops and we do all kinds of activities to inspire our employees with more technologies and we engage with our ecosystem to generate collaborations. And these are projects that employees can pursue in their spare time, right? In addition to... Yeah, in addition to their work. So their ideas could be related to their job or they could be their passion projects. And we are also helping bridge those ideas to our customers and our partners so that we can create more impactful work for the world. And just one more question about that, which is one of the things I really like about the garage is all the tools that they provide. Can you give some examples of technologies that can be you know, accessed at the garage? Yeah, we have a makerspace and everyone's uh, free to come use those shared facility. We have simple prototyping tools like 3D printers, laser cutters, CNC mill, sewing machines, and... You can just come in anytime and make things. And we also have frequent meetup groups and technology exchange and workshops. So we've been running the AI symposium, for example, for our Silicon Valley site. So we bring all of our employees to share their work on AI, machine learning, and data science. So we are on top of the current we give visibility to the types of work that we have inside the company to break the silo among different teams and also help generate collaborations. And we also have quantum computing study group. So I'm actually organizing that and uh, teaching our employees about quantum computing. And this is a new area, a very hot field. There's a lot of talk about it, but haven't seen a lot of effort in educating people. There's some just starting to have some good books in the market now that are for the general public, but I think more work have, has to be done to teach people what is quantum computing, the math and physics, what's the hardware and software involved. So it's a developing area and we want to give people the education that they need. So we do that in the garage. And I also do quite a few activities around tech fashion and showing 
new types of technologies demonstrated in clothing and teaching people the fundamentals about the hardware that could be embedded, the software platform, and all kinds of tools that you can use to create uh, projects that you would like. Um, and we allow people to build communities. So there are all kinds of uh, communities that are held in the garage. Uh, we are basically a platform that supports all kinds of innovation. Uh, we have education meetups. Um, there's just a Minecraft uh, meetup that's being set up. We have art factory that allow the art factory teaches interesting hands-on art or craft skill to our employees and most of the instructors are actually our own employees so you'll be surprised to see how talented uh, our employees are so they can teach their skills to more peers and we also have fun events for holidays anything you can think of that can bring people together to work on innovative work yeah like you said some of this work does end up making it into you know our products, mm-hmm. while other other work is more about you know employee skills or mm-hmm. you know education, projects, training, creativity, yeah. creativity. Well, Kitty, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.